nice to be here. I always enjoy my time at New Brunswick Bible Institute. I think my first year to come was in 1987, and I have not missed a year since, and it was a few years I would come just one, uh, one day for a chapel, and then I was at a missions conference with Mr. Doherty, and he said, why don't you try a week at a time? And so it's been a week at a time ever since that time, and I just really do appreciate the privilege of, of being here and seeing folks that I know and meeting new friends also. I am in children's ministry. I uh, accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior when I was 22 years old in the United States Air Force. I uh, just been married for a year or so. I have four children and seven grandchildren. My wife got saved shortly after I did, and it was in the United States Air Force that we were called, that I was called to preach, and my wife, of course, was called to go with me. And so we left the Air Force after seven years and went into the pastorate. I stayed in the pastorate from 1977 to 1986, and then in 1986 accepted a call into the Ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship, and I, I am I'm very thankful for that. I am pleased to say I have found my place. A man that leaves his place, Proverbs says, is like a bird that wanders from its nest. And I have found my place in children's ministry. I am thankful for that. I, we just came back from ministry to kids. We, uh, one of the things that we do in Child Evangelism Fellowship of Maine is that we have a, uh, we have a camp. We have a couple of camps now. Three camps now, I guess, that we run. Two that we own, three that we run. But we, the camp that I, I'm at is our state CEF headquarters, and we do children's ministries all winter. And so to have it filled up with kids this past weekend, and, and uh, in the wintertime, I have the privilege of doing the teaching to those kids and for those kids. And I can't think of anything better to do than to teach a group of children like that. This, this past weekend, and, and I, this has been my theme all weekend long for kids. CEF has a, a lesson called The One Who is Different. You, you know who that is, don't you? Our Lord Jesus Christ, of course. The One Who is Different. And, and that, that lesson speaks about him being different in five different ways. Different in his birth, different in his life, different in his power, different in his death, and different in his resurrection. And I, I've taken that lesson and I've made it into five sermons for kids, five, five messages for kids. They all work, don't they, Mr. Og? All, all five of them, yes. And so we have five messages for kids. And, and my, to see, uh, Jesse was telling me on the way up, and uh, Jesse, of course, is a graduate of New Brunswick Bible Institute, as is Natasha. But Jesse was telling me on the way up, she was down there to work with us at the children's ministry this weekend, that it was so good to see the wheels turning. I forget just exactly how you put that, but she was in a cabin with a group of girls, and she said you could look at those girls and see that they were getting it. They were just getting it. And, and that's the time to reach them, isn't it, when they're, when they're little? That's the time to reach them. And so we have kids there, and I keep boys and girls both, kids from Christian homes, kids from non-Christian homes kids that have every opportunity that, that their parents can give them, and kids that have no opportunities at all, hardly. They, they all come, they, they all come, and I'm, I'm glad that they're there. And then to just, I mean, 
Just to give you an example, when you teach the one who is different and you talk about his life or his birth. I'll go to his birth, I guess. I, uh, one of the verses I like to go to in his birth is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. You, you know that verse, don't you? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And it's just fun to ask the kids. I mean, they go from 8 to 13. Is God repeating himself in those two phrases? He's not, is he? No, is, is God repeating himself in those two phrases? And you see the kids, they look at it in the Bible, for unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born. And, and, and I'm not going to give you the whole lesson now, but they're learning there, and, and the wheels are turning, and they're putting it together that the Lord Jesus is both God and man in one person. He's a child that is born. We, we look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, and I ask the kids, now, whose son is he? Luke 2, verse 7 says, he's Mary's son. And then we look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, and I ask these kids, and they're not all from Christian homes now. They're not all saved kids. Whose son is he? And they look at that and say, he's God's son. He's God's son, isn't he? He's a son that is given. He's a child that is born. And then you look at his life, and you see that he's different in that he never sinned. He always did those things. And boy, by the time you've gone through his life and his power and his death and his resurrection and you've taught kids about who he is. You know that's what kids need. Kids need to know our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they need. They need to know who he is and what he did for them when he gave his life on the cross of Calvary, was buried and rose again from the dead. That's what kids need to know. That's who they need to know. They need to know that he loves them. And of course, when I, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning in Mark chapter 10, but when, when, he, when I say that they need to know that he loves them, and I tell them that, I love to tell kids that the Lord Jesus loves you. He loves you more than your mom and dad. He loves you more than anybody else could ever, will ever love you. He loves you. They need to know that. But then I love to ask them, too, where did God demonstrate that love for us? Where did he demonstrate that love? But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And to see them begin to grab a hold of all of that. And, and they need to. They need to. They have no hope aside from him. It is a tough world for kids out there. It is a tough world for kids. I, one of the things we do in winter retreats, I don't just teach. We have, we have one of the best sliding hills in all of the world. We do. We do. It's called Jug Hill. And, and you go up there on the top of Jug Hill, and it, it goes down through the woods. It's not a big you know, hill like that that is wide across and just goes straight down. It goes down through the woods, and it takes twists and turns, and there's bumps. And oh, my, you get going mighty fast on that hill. It's fun. The kids have fun, you know. It is fun for all of us. I love to go down that hill. But I, I was watching some of the kids go down that hill this past weekend. And I mean, little, little kids, little boys, little girls, they're sitting in there. You hear them scream when they go down that hill, having just such a great time. Kids that come from homes where they know how to have a good time. And then you watch them. There's kids that come from homes where they don't know how to have a good time. They, they don't. 
They, they don't know what it means to be a child. And you watch those kids going down and having a great time also. Oh, my. There's nothing like ministry to kids. And kids need that. All right, Mark chapter 10. Then they brought little children to him. Who brought them? Who do you suppose brought them? Any, any thought on that? Who brought the kids? Moms, Mr. McMahon. That's what I've always thought. Moms brought those. Oh, moms, however that said. Moms, I say, brought those kids. And the reason I think that is because the Lord Jesus was probably teaching the dads. He had been teaching. That's what he was doing when they brought the children. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Why do you suppose they rebuked those who brought the kids? They didn't want to interrupt the Lord maybe? I, I think they rebuke those who brought the kids because, my, the important ministries that take place in the world are the, and in the church, I guess, the important ministries that take place in the church are the ministries to grown-ups. You've really arrived as a teacher when you can do the adult Sunday school class and maybe even the college and career class you're given. You've not arrived in most churches as a teacher. You know what I mean when I say you've arrived. You've not arrived in most churches as a teacher when they offer you the kids. Anyone can teach the kids after all, can't they? That's just the way that we look at children's ministries. I mean, would you teach the kids? I don't have any training. You don't need any training, really. It's never said that way, but that's the way it's always implied. They're only kids. You can teach the kids. When you have a missions conference in your church and they have some special missions time for the kids, who has the, who has the auditorium and who has the basement? I'd like to go to a missions conference one time where the kids had the auditorium and the grown-ups had the basement. I'd like to do that once. I'd like to get a telephone call one time from a pastor. See, I get these calls, and this is the way the call goes. John, could you come to our missions conference? And I look at my calendar and say, yes, I can come to your missions conference. I have those dates free. And then this is sometimes what I'll hear. Well, you know, I... I'm sorry, but we, I'm calling really because we need someone that will teach the kids in our missions conference. I, all the adult spots had been taken. I've never had anyone call and apologize to me because the children's teacher was already found and we need someone to teach the adults. That has never happened. I wonder why that is. Where do we put the great importance I went to one missions conference in a fairly large church. Then we went downstairs, my wife and I, to teach the kids. And the Sunday school teachers went along with us downstairs to teach the kids. And after they introduced me and they sang a song, do you know what the Sunday school teachers did? They went upstairs. They went upstairs where the special music was and where the main speakers were and where all the banners were and all of that, up where all the action is. And then my wife and I finished that missions conference and only one person in that church asked us how it went downstairs with the kids. And that was a grandparent. And, and, and you know, 
you know that probably the truth of the matter is more happened downstairs that morning than happened up. And I'm, I'm not finding any fault with the people that were preaching upstairs or those that were listening upstairs. But you, you know when most missionaries that are on the field today were called to go? Do you know when they first heard the call for missions? Most the majority of missionaries on the field today, do you know when they first heard the call for missions? When they were kids, not when they were grown-ups. When they were kids, that's when God spoke to their heart. That's when the Lord speaks so often to hearts, when they're kids. That's why we read in the Scripture, except you become as a child and become converted, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It's children. God never said, the Lord Jesus never said to kids that you've got to become like a grown-up in order to get saved. But he did say to grown-ups, you've got to become like a child if you're going to see the kingdom of God. And the reason he says that is... Now, this, I'll, I'll, go back to, I'll go back to Jug Hill. Now, one of the things I like to do on Jug Hill, because I like to hear the kids screaming and laughing and their hats flying off, is I, I, we like to do two-man... I like to do two-man trains. And Sunday, we were... Sunday afternoon, it was... In the morning, it was very fast. It's just in the morning, very fast. Someone had groomed it, and you know, there's just that little skim on there. It was very fast. And so, in a two man train, I lay down on the back sled, and the child lays or sits on the front sled, and I tell them, You just keep everything inside now and leave the steering to me, and you'll go faster than you've ever gone. And so, uh, kids love it. There's no hesitation on their part. Yes, yes. And so, now, then I asked Jesse. She was up there with those girls. I said, Jesse, how about a two-man train? You go down in the front, and I'll hold your sled and steer it. She looked at me with a little more. Just, she said yes. She said yes. I said, you've got to trust me. She said yes, but just a little less so than what those kids were looking at me. You, you know, children, what, what do children have? Kids have faith. Kids trust. The Lord Jesus said, except you become as a child. And these disciples are saying, no, the Lord doesn't have time for kids. He's doing the important things right now. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. I, I love that old King James Version, the way that it's put there. He was moved with indignation. When he heard that kind of an attitude... He was moved with indignation when, when the disciples rebuked those who were bringing kids. The Lord Jesus was moved with indignation at such an attitude towards kids. Greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I, uh, I, I don't know what the Lord Jesus said to those kids. It would be interesting to know. You know how there's a few people you want to meet when you get to heaven and ask them a few questions? There's a few... <laughs> 
There's a few things I'd like to know when I get there. One of the things I'd like to know is, Lord, what did you say to those kids? I, I don't know what he said, but, I, but I, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt how those kids felt when they left his presence. What do you suppose they knew when they left his presence? What did they know without a doubt? That the Lord Jesus loved them. How could you not know that? That the Lord Jesus loved them. All of them. Not the ones that just came from good homes. Not the ones that knew the answers. Not the cute ones only. But all of them. The Lord Jesus loved all of them. He took them up in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. And the kids need that same thing today. One of the one of the illustrations that's forever, I, I think it will be forever on my mind, is, is two boys that came to camp year after year. And there's a lot of reasons those boys uh, are on my mind and stick on my mind. Number one, they were kind of unique in that, it's not so unique anymore, but their dad left them. Their dad was a drug dealer. He uh, went to Lowell, Massachusetts to do his business. And then, a year or so later, their mom left them to join their dad. And so, the boys were left without their mom. The boys were left without their dad. And uh, they, they were literally raised, for a few years anyways, in a daycare. And the grandmother would have some part in their lives, but the people, the lady that raised them was a lady in the daycare. And those two boys, I mean, life was rough for those two fellows. And the younger one was just as cute as could be. I mean, you looked at him, he smiled, and the world lit up. The, the, the older one was not that way. The, old, the older one had a melancholy look on his face all the time, a downcast look on his face, and there wasn't too much cute about him. Derek and Robbie, their names... And one day, at uh, one year, when they came to camp, the younger one showed up. He had a new leather jacket. He wore it hot or cold. He wore his new leather jacket. His mom had come to visit the daycare, and she brought him a new suit of clothes, including a leather jacket. He wore his leather jacket. I mean, he was a cute little kid. And then Robbie, Robbie had on his regular old clothes. I didn't have a new leather jacket. His mom came to visit and she brought a jacket and a shirt and a pants and a pair of sneakers for her son Derek and she brought absolutely nothing for her son Robbie. Nothing, nothing at all. And here's this little fellow, you know, and he, uh, he gave us a terrible time at camp that summer. He did. He was getting a little older and and when they give too terrible of a time, they end up with me. I don't know if Alex ever ended up with me or not there. But, but when you get too terrible, and you give too terrible of a time, you end up coming to see me. And so probably he did come to see me. Probably, <laughs> probably Alex did. But this little fellow, and I, I, I knew what the problem was. But as we talked, I wanted him to, I wanted him to say it. And, and finally he did. He said, Mr. Romano, 
the older I get, the more I understand what it means that my mother left me. The older I get, the more I understand what it means that my mother left me. Tell me that that's not a young boy that didn't need to be taken up in the arms of the Lord and have his hands put upon him and to hear his words of blessing upon his life. The, the, I mean, 2,000 years more than that have passed, but the needs of kids haven't changed any since the Lord Jesus took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. The need is exactly the same today as it was then. The solution is exactly the same today as it was then. They need the Lord. They need to know the Lord loves them. They need to understand who the Lord Jesus is. And they need to understand what the Lord Jesus did for them. And they need to hear his invitation, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They need to understand that they're sinners in need of a Savior. They need to understand that, and they can understand it. And when we share the gospel with them plainly and clearly in the power of the Holy Spirit, they do understand that. And very few of them, because they're kids, very few of them say, no, I don't want the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Very few of them. I, uh, I did look and see what time it closes, Mr. McNair. About five minutes. I... I love these letters. I, I want to give you two of them. One is from a little girl that comes from a great home, a Christian home. The, the, other, one, the other one is from a little boy that... He doesn't come from a great home. He was, uh, he was 10 years old when he wrote that. I mean, just, just take a look. Can you even read what it says? He was 10 years old when he, when he wrote that. I, I, I know what it says. It's been... It's been translated for me, but dear prayer partner, the thing I enjoyed most about camp was, I mean, I, I, I think I've got it figured out. The thing I enjoyed most about camp was when I made, I think, friends. Wouldn't you say? That, that'd be a pretty good guess. But for, made is M-A-E-T, and when is... I don't know, W-N-E-N -E or Fr friends is F-R-A-N-S. And we played, I think that would be basketball. What do you think? B-A-S-C-H, then another word, I-T, and then B-A-L-L, -L, basketball. That's not how you spell that word, Kayla, is it? You probably had to pass that test before you could play for Mars Hill there, but basketball. So he, it says... I think it means beat me, but it says, so he bet me, and I think it is we shook, C-H-O-C-K, hands, H-A-N-S, we swim together, now we do most everything's well, I have had a good time. And then thank you for praying for me because God helped me to and I think it is go to Sunday school. And Sunday school would be our chapel. 
in his mind. And so, I mean, you just have to look at it and you know this is from a needy kid. You just have to look at it. And so we wanted this little fellow to come back for another week at camp. And we went to visit his home to offer a free week at camp. And his dad was there. His dad had been in jail. Goes here and there. His dad was home. His dad wasn't home when he was at camp. His dad was the one that came to the door, cursed us out, said, I don't want my kid there hearing all that stuff that you folks have to say. Said, if I'd have been home, he'd have never come in the first place. No, I don't care if it's a free week or not. I don't want him there. And the door gets slammed in your face. And then, that, that's, that's, that's a child. That's a little boy. And then you got this, this letter here. This is from a little girl that comes from a Christian home. This is the way she writes. Now, she's got a mom and dad that love her, take care of her. The thing I enjoyed most about camp was learning that God can help you love others who otherwise would be impossible to love with human strength. These kids are the same age. I mean, look at the difference. They're the same age. I mean, all you got to do is look at the letter to know one, one is great need. to love with human strength and swimming and photography. Thank you for praying for me because God helped me to love others, even though I didn't want to. And I also made the decision to dedicate my life to God. Thank you for praying for me. I want to tell you, I, I enjoy ministry to both of those kids and all the kids that they represent. I do. Not just the ones from the bad homes, but the ones from the good homes, not just the ones that write well, but the ones that don't write well, not just the ones that aren't beaten, but the ones that are beaten. Every child, every child needs to know. I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm, I've got to close now. I know I do, but I'm going to be here all week. I'm glad to speak about kids all week long. I'm so thankful that Natasha and Jesse are here with me. I am. Uh, if you have questions about Child Evangelism Fellowship and you're young like them, go and talk to them. They can tell you all about CEF. They're both graduates of this school. If you're old and you have questions about CEF, come and talk to me. I'd be glad to talk, even if you're young, come and talk to me. I'd be glad to talk to you about Child Evangelism Fellowship. I'm particularly glad that Jerry Hansen is here because I know that many of you are from Canada. And Jerry is the director for CEF Canada. And kids in Canada need the Lord Jesus just like kids in Maine need the Lord Jesus. And how will they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they're sent? <laughs> Who will go? Who will go to this world of kids? And maybe I'm, I'm just praying that this week God would lay it on your heart that maybe he is calling you to reach kids. And, and if not, to just reach kids, to reach kids also. And if you're from Canada, maybe you'll have the opportunity to talk to Jerry Henson about what it would mean to serve with Child Evangelism Fellowship in the country of Canada. Let's close together in prayer. Our Father, we're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful for the opportunity of thinking about children, 
Lord, we're thankful that we could read in your word that the Lord Jesus took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Father, let that sink deep into our hearts, that the word of Christ might dwell in us richly, this passage right here, Lord. I pray for this school with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name.